Salutations, salutations, greetings, and welcome to it. This is when Highbury was home. A loud booth podcast presentation. I am your host, True Story. And on this episode, man, just looking forward to the Man United game. We figured let's review the, the Southampton win and actually run into it now, you know. So we pray you're staying safe, pray you're staying clean, you know, in a positive mind state, you know, regardless of what may be going on around you, always staying focused, you know, that's how it goes. Big game day for us as Arsenal fans, you know, Super Saturday. It's not... It's not something we we far into, you know, as a big club. Yet there's times when we've gone into games like these with with thoughts of yo, we're just trying to get through it, you know. So it's a type of game where we can actually, you know, enjoy the process, you know. And it's one of those things where I felt, yeah, man, let's actually enjoy this ride as well. Let's enjoy this ride with the fan base as well, you know. Coming off a high, as we said, of a win against Southampton, where Miguel's trade off of sacrificing the FA Cup for the league, it, it, it seems to have paid off so far, you know, because we got the results against Southampton. I think it wasn't just about the result for me personally. Yes, we beat them 3-1, came back from, from from a goal down early. You know, Stuart Armstrong scored early for them, and then Pepe scored, and then Saka scored. We went to the halftime break with a 2-1 lead, and then we cemented that late in the second half. You know, it's one of those things where you looked at the performance, you looked at the results, you looked at how we got the result, and you realized that there's a method to the madness, you know. <laughs> there's a method to the madness, bro. It's like... Real talk across the board, you saw, you saw Mikel saying, you know, I'm I'm making the sacrifice in the FA Cup for the league game, yet I'm going to take the league game so seriously that I'll even change tactics. You know, we've been talking about a plan B needed in the squad. And we saw, we saw in regards to that, a plan B of being allowed to, you know, being being able to let the opposition have the ball and we'll play on the counter-attack, you know, we'll, we'll press them high, win the ball back and then we'll take it from there. And some might argue, like, oh, man, you're only playing Southampton. You're like, no, but they're a ball-playing football club. They're at home. You respect your opposition. And then you still find your strengths within that system, right? To see Mikael be able to accomplish that already in this, in this, in this, I feel, it's still a very short time in his tenure, that's good to see that the players are now fully buying into what you want, you, you want them to do, where some players may feel like, now nah, we're playing against Southampton. Why are we adopting the tactic? Now nah, they're fully behind the manager. Made some tactical switches as well, where... Abumayang's not available on the left side, could have easily switched Saka to the left side and did the fail-safe thing of bringing William back into the team as he's always tended to do. He's like, nah, I'll bring Pepe in and I won't switch Saka. I'll actually put Pepe on the left side because at the end of the Southampton game in the FA Cup, we did see glimpses of, of brilliance in that position for Pepe where he doesn't have to do as much to get more output you know, out of himself and for the team, right? He starts in that position and is a is, is one of the match winners for us, right? You see, okay, managers learning from those things, you know, managers learning from those things. And I like to see that across the board. So credit to Mikel for that. So our takeaways for the Southampton game was that it was it was very nice to see us get back to back EPL wins, you know what I'm saying, against the Saints for the first time since ninety seven. And it's just it's one of those things where we're starting to see things that are more for me telling of how we are picking up the, the form overall as it pertains to where we used to be as a football club. You know, there's always this conversation of people talking about, okay, well, you guys just shouldn't get back in the Champions League like you used to be before. You're saying, no, it's more about let's get back into that position to be able to build upon it because the failure before wasn't not being in the Champions League or not being a top four team, whatever the case may be. No, no, no. It was about building on from that and having more ambition than just being a top four team or Champions League team, right? Now we have that where we have players that can take us to that next level we believe and we have a manager that can take us to that next level we believe there's these members of staff that we believe in the board level that can take us to that level so it's about getting back to that level and then going beyond that right 
and things like that are indicative of that, you know. So it was nice to see. Um, one of the things that was intriguing for me after that game is that only City have one more points. That's 18 and conceded fewer goals. That's one than us since that Boxing Day turnaround against Chelsea, right? Where we've collected 16 points and conceded two goals. And that's dope to see that one of the biggest issues in the in the in the run we were struggling. It wasn't as much okay, we're not we're not quote unquote playing well. Nah, you're conceding too many silly goals still and you're not putting away your chances. That's the result is not there and then it leads to the next game not maybe not being the level you're supposed to be. You're still going through the same things. And so the the residual we were seeing was like, okay, yes, the results aren't coming in, but we can see a root cause of why they're not coming in, right? You don't know how to keep out the opposition and you don't know how to score goals. Now we're learning how to score goals and convert our chances. We're also learning how to keep clean sheets, right? It's indicative of where we are now because we can now push on from there, you know? We can really push on from there and say, okay, now let's build a run of form that can see us finish in that top four, top seven position and get back in the Champions League via winning the Europa League. And let's build from that, you know, because the resilience in the squad, bro, like real talk, like Laka missed a sitter in the first, what, minute and a half and you're thinking there goes the game because you missed that chance. You know, a little bit of passage of play. They go on the other end. They get a they get a corner because Rob Holdinho plays the ball out. Good defensive play. <clears throat> James Ward-Prowse brings in a brilliant ball, and you can see it's a set play they've worked on in training where James Ward-Prowse brings that ball in, and Stuart Armstrong is at the ed edge of the box, and Pep is just switched off because you think no one ever plays a corner here. I'm more waiting for the second ball. That's what he's been trained in that position. Yet Armstrong comes in there with a volley running from that position and then scores, and there's not much Leonard could do about that. And you think, okay, now we're 1-0 down, bro. Yet, before we hit the 10th minute mark, we're already back in it, you know what I'm saying? We had two chances before we scored, and it's like, yeah, I like to see that because there's, there's resilience in that, 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 that desire to play, to play to the manager's tactics. They could have easily dropped their head and said, well, we're supposed to play counter-attacking. Now they've got the goal, so they're going to really say they're going to have the ball. The players just probably realized, okay, manager knew that. They're going to have the ball, and if they score a chance early, then we're really going to be in trouble, so we need to know how to press them and get the ball from them. And part of me work from there, you know, so... Excuse me. That was that was that was nice to see across the board. You know, we spoke earlier about the plan B, and it's like for me that plan B is <laughs> not something Mikel has been renowned for. You know, having a plan B and looking at the squad now and saying, okay, cool. We came into a game against Southampton where they'd beaten us in the FA Cup. They are on a bit of a high. Yes, they've lost. You know, their four backs and gonna have to make some changes. Some of their players are gonna be playing two games back to back where we've rested some of ours. Yet we stuck to the tactic and the tactic was to allow them to have the ball because they are at home and they are ball playing football club. We absorbed that pressure, hit them on the break by, you know, winning the ball higher up the field with the high press, right? That was dope to see that we'll concede position and we'll still we'll still win the game. You know, that was that was nice to see across the board because for me, like in the stats, it was very telling. You know, we had less shots than them, yet we equaled them with shots on target. They had 58% ball position to our 42. They had more passes than us, and 493 for them, five, what, 353 for us. They had 55, 50, what, 85% ball passing percentage accuracy, 77 for us. You're realizing that the margins is like, those are the type of numbers you see for Arsenal. Well, you're thinking Arsenal would have closer to 500 passes than 350, yet we had 350 passes to their 493. You know, our passing accuracy was only 77% to their 85 because we're actually trying to play longer, more diagonal passes. We'll be more adventurous with our passes, right? It's like, okay, that mixture, that fine balance between the two is actually what we want to see when we're playing home or away. Eventually, we'll get to that balance, right? Where we can play a team high, 
home or away, we can still be able to mix up our passing range, create more chances or more volume chances and quality chances, and then start to put teams away, two, three goals, you know, and that would be nice to see across the board. So I like that personally. It made me it made me realize that there is hope, you know, because we're starting to see signs of growth after that rough rough patch, right? That the players are growing, they're understanding the manager's tactics, they're growing in confidence, they're growing in ability as well. You can see the development in like it's not just young players anymore. We have a lot of young players in the squad, but you're seeing experienced players grow in certain things that are so key for their game, right? Where Lacazette was being taught how to okay work more on your off ball work and worry less about your goal scoring. Your goal scoring will get back there. Now his goal scoring is back there. What is it? Eight goals now this season. That's what you want to see. You know, Bukayo Saka was told, okay, now you've got the you've got the everything off ball. Now work on that little bit of end product and just being in the right position, making the right plays. Now it's just right position, right pass, right move, right run. Whatever the case may be, he's doing it right. He's getting assists on his weaker foot, scoring goals on his weaker foot, right? Because of positioning. You like to see those things. It's clicking. You know, for the staff, it means it's clicking. That conversation, that dialogue, that transparency you need between coach and player is clicking. You know, at staff level, as it pertains to board members, you know, Edu and them, it's clicking. Because you're starting to realize, okay, this is the type of business that we have to do. This is how we have to approach the squad. This is how we have to manage the squad. This is how we have to manage the resources. It's clicking across the board. We like to see that, bro. So, great win against Southampton. Um, our quick little player ratings from that, uh, little guess the lineup, we got, what, seven points from seven right selections and then one bonus point for actually guessing the formation. But these days it's a lot easier with Miguel that we're not switching too much formation-wise. Nice to see. Yes, that unpredictability is also great to have within the squad. And like he always says, we play positionless, formationless football a lot of the time. So it benefits us and behooves us to just keep doing that with players that are interchangeable in positions and start to switch it around that way. So great to see, man. Burnt Leno started in goal. I felt he was amazing, solid. You know, growing in confidence after a very shaky start to the season. Made some crucial saves. Couldn't do much for the goal, I felt, you know. Made some good stops throughout the game where uh, a lesser goalkeeper, that goal, that game is more 3-2, maybe even 3-3, than a 3-1 result, you know. So we have to give credit where credit is due. Yes, would have liked to see a clean sheet, yet he couldn't do much from a set play to concede that type of goal where defensively we could have been better if we could defend it better. If we could have that play over again, knowing what Southampton were inclined to do then, we probably defend that and it's not a goal and it's a clean sheet across the ball for Burn Leno, right? So that's an eight for me, man. Shout out to Burn Leno for that. Hector Bellerin started at the right-back position. Um, for Hector, man, um, booked early Nyana on for a rash tackle, not really, not really all the way there yet. You know, he's still fighting his feet defensively and offensively. There's inclinations of he just doesn't get it yet all the way under Mikel Arteta. It may just be the insecurity of is he going to be a long player for long term player for us in that position, right? So that was a six for Hector. I just like to see the fact that his bad games or his not so great games don't bring down the team's level. You know, so it's almost a fact it, it hurt me to even give him a six. But you didn't even bring down the team. You made sure you had a bad game. You know, it showcases that the fact when he can grow and as he grows, he actually benefits the team so much more because right now he's not playing as well. Yet before when he wouldn't be playing as well, you bring the team down to that level. Yet right now he's still doing the small and the little things that are necessary to keep him in the squad. Yet he could do so much more to to magnify his role within the squad, you know. So that comes with times, Lord that comes with time rather, Lord willing. Otherwise we may have to move on from him and get a, a different fullback in that position or explore whatever other options we have in the squad as it pertains to Ainsley Mate and Niles or, you know, Cedric as an interim player in there and get a project player for 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 the long term there. So 
we'll see how that goes, man. I really like Hector a lot as a human being, yet you feel for the squad's benefit long term. You want to see that growth because he's at that point now he's reaching the peak of his career. You're getting over your injury issues. You're actually assured of your position within the squad. You know, you back within the Spanish first team at national team level. Let's start to see growth from there, Hector, you know. So, yeah, we, we keep praying for our players, man. Rob Holdinho started at right center back and it was his 100th league game for Arsenal. Or was it 100th game across? It was 100th game for Arsenal, I think they said, across the board. Amazing feat that, thinking when he came in, very few people would have taken that bet. You know what I'm saying? If you went to your bookmaker and said, hey, Rob Holdinho will play 100 games for Arsenal. Here goes my 10 bucks. He'll be a millionaire today because it's like very few people saw that happening. And he's done well to get that and to still get a new deal off the back of that. And now he can grow. And, you know, we can see him notch up 200, maybe 300 games for Arsenal over the course of his career. He's a great squad player. Right now he's holding that position for us for maybe a, a world-class player. Yet he's... These days where he plays to that level quarter two, you know. So that was a seven for me. Confident and assured, Rob Holdinho. We like to see that, man. Especially realizing on the on the left side, we, we kind of run into a little bit of a problem post, post the, the Gabriel Magalhães COVID issue. He came back in against Southampton, not so confident. That own goal, you know, not the greatest performance. Luis comes in for him in this game, not the greatest either. Kind of shaky, a couple, couple moments in the game. Doesn't really look up for it in that regard. He realizes that he's probably the third centre-back, that if Marie was fit for this game, he probably would have started. So we're looking at that, saying, oh my goodness, coming into Man United, I really don't want to see David Luiz start and not be up for it or just not be levels, you know. So it's like, okay, Gabby, here's your game, you know. If it's not there right now, whatever the case may be, we can address that in-game. But right now, we really need to have to have, have our best back line out for, for the next game, which we'll deal with later on in the episode. But we're just saying, you know, Luis started. That was a six for me. Gabby was on the bench. It would have been nice to see him get a run out. You should understand the manager saying, you know, maybe let me hold you out for a game and bring you back against United, give you a couple more training sessions, you know. All right, we'll see how that goes, you know. Cedric Suarez started on the left side, you know, in the defense and, Amazing performance for me personally. You know, the passing, the passing is brilliant, especially thinking you're a right footer player playing at left back, yet continually being a passing outlet and, and taking on the responsibility of playing those forward passes, right? The overlapping threat that he'll provide as well, just being as adventurous as he is to pick up those positions and occupy that 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 channel where the opposition's right winger has to track him back, the opposition's right fullback has to worry about him as well. It's, it's real that you know, and we like to see that defensively sound as well. Puts in his challenges, knows how to hold his position when he has to, and then bring back his opposition. He rather bring back his partner when it comes to the left wing channel to come back and double up on the opposition's right winger. It's dope to see, man. So that was an eight for Cedric Suarez. Uh, that crossfield ball to Saka for the for the goal, bro. Like uh, for that third goal, bro. I don't understand what in the world. Like that's that's central midfield, deep lying playmaker passing rage. You know what I'm saying? That's last three trigotista levels, bro. Like that was just amazing to see. So shout out Cedric, bro. That we like to see those level of performance, especially thinking he's playing out of position. He's not a regular in the squad. He continues to put in those type of performances, man. Great, great piece, great piece of business over there, man. Thomas Partey came back into the squad, and I like to see the fact that he could boss the midfield without having to do way too much. You know, the press was literally as, as down to him, you know, instigating that and being in the right positions. And you can see him sometimes literally following the opposition's number 10 all the way back to where he's trying to pick up the ball from the fullback. 
and you're like, okay, party, you left all, all the space here, but now they also can't play that ball to him, that person there. So whoever's covering that space there, all you have to do is do your job and we'll move this ball from here. And we actually got a goal from that where our our, equali our equalizer came from that high press instigated as a result of Saka inter intercepting the ball. Yet if you look very closely, it's part of his movement and the fact that he's occupying the man who's supposed to pick up that pass that forces the left fullback to play the ball to where Saka is instead of playing it just a little bit into the number 10 channel because he's realizing if the number 10 receives that ball, if he's not good enough in the half turn, we're going to lose it either way. Let me try get the ball a little bit further forward and beat this high press, which they couldn't do, and we get our equalizer from there. So beautiful to see, man, across the board. Needs a, needs a little bit more game time, I feel, you know, Thomas Partey. Just more legs, you know. Come, there's moments in the game where you just see him just do some things, and you're like, oh, my goodness, this guy is not even fully fit, and he can just turn and beat three players like they're not there. And it's like, are you a defensive man? Are you a boxer, boxer man? Are you a number 10? What are you, bro? Like, I like to see that. So that was a solid seven for Thomas Partey. Good to have him back in the squad, man. It brings a different balance to us. Um, Xhaka, for me, was one of those FL surprise selections because I actually did feel like with Partey back in there, you'll take the chance and play Joe Willock, you know, and actually try go new age right now. Yet I like the fact that Miguel is like, nah, I, I, I have a vision. I have a plan for this. And started Granite Xhaka, and he was the better of the two midfielders. You know, the, as good as Partey was, you realize that Jaco was the better of the two midfielders because he, he was playing those forward passes with more consistency, you know, that led to the assist. And he could have had a couple, he could have had the assist early on when Lacazette gets played through with a brilliant ball. And you're thinking, is Jaco literally going to Iniesta training recently or what? what? What is going on, bro? Like, this is brilliant to see, you know, so... I feel he's the perfect complement to party, especially when he plays to those levels, because he looks like he's just free. He doesn't, he doesn't have to overthink his role. He knows what his role is. It's assured. It's established. You know what your job is in this team. Go out and do it, and do it to the highest level that you can, and everything will fall into place. And it's great to see that for him. So he's continuing to get better, and it's crazy enough to think he's actually at the at the at that essence. In essence, he's at the peak of his career. You know, he's entering his prime literally as he's he's there now. And if it clicks right now, when as it's clicking, he could be that player that we were looking to try bring in, you know, as a partner for Partey. And you can, okay, for the next season and a half, at least two seasons, three seasons, you have that guy there next to Partey. And you can get maybe two young players to build up in those positions as potential, you know, future players in that regard. So that was an eight for Granny Xhaka for me, bro. Brilliant. Um, it brings us to our best player in in everybody's eyes now, and I'm glad everybody sees it, Bukayo Saka, bro, oh my goodness, world-class, bro, world-class performance, for me, the man of the match, he gets a nine, Um, the talisman of the squad, you know, it, it looks like everything can run through him at will, and it doesn't have to run through him, if you understand what I'm saying, like, the ball doesn't always come through our right side, yet when it comes to him, it sticks, and something is going to happen, and there's a chance of something happening, and off the ball, he works so hard, He's such a threat constantly. There's times when he he knows how to read the tactic. And there's a move when we we we're, we're about to counter press and win the ball. So he's tucked into the right center midfield channel, and then they switch the ball over from the right side to the left side. So he's out of position basically, and he knows his left Hector one on one with the with the winger and the fullback. He's 
sprints lungs out and he beats the opposition central midfielders who were closer to that action than he was to go close it down where if they're opening up to try to get the ball, Saka's now closing down that space, you know, but you weren't even there and now you're there. They can't get a chance. They have to do way too much to try to get something there. Chance goes away and you're thinking, wow, I like to see that in our players across the board. Never mind what he does going forward, right? <laughs> it's a world-class performance, man. It's like, you're watching that thinking, you saw what happened when Raheem moved from Liverpool to Man City, then he needed that two seasons to just click under Guardiola, right? And then it clicked, and then you saw it, and like, there's no stopping this kid now. He can do whatever he wants, especially when his teammates know what he's got the power to do, and they, they allow him to do it, right? Bukai is reaching that level much quicker for me. And you're thinking, wow, what can this kid be? I'm literally just sitting there just trying to crunch the maths. I'm like, okay, we know the average peak for a player in his position starts to reach age 27, 28. Oh, snap, this kid is 19. <laughs> so you can't even fathom what he could be in seven, eight years' time, bro. You can't. You can't. And he's got all that time to continue growing. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. So bless this kid, man. Continue to bless this kid because he's he's the star of the future for us. He's the star of the now and of the future, right? So credit to him. You know, a goal and an assist. What is that? In the last six games, he's got a goal or an assist every single game because it's four goals, two assists. Come on, bro. Since that Boxing Day turnaround, he's basically been either giving you a goal or an assist every single game. That's talisman level, bro. So Nini Pepe started on the left side. Surprisingly, I thought Martinelli would start over that side. Or oh, Lord forbid, Willie. And now nah, we went for Pepe. And he put in almost an equal performance to Saka. Where the only things you can chide him for is switching off for that set piece. And aside from that, I can't call him out for anything else. Because his work rate was banana pants, bro. He ran his socks off. And in that left side channel, he gets to do so much more without having to do so much more, if you get what I'm trying to say. On the right side, Channing, he gets the ball with his back to the fullback, and he has to get on the half turn, beat that fullback instantaneously, and then still have to beat whoever's going to close down that space. And then he's always inclined to come back on his left side anyway, so then you can almost close that side down, then he has to do something else again. So you have to do three, four tricks just to be able to create a chance. On the left side, it comes to him. If they're playing him tight, he can just put on the left side and cross the ball to the far post. And because he's got that pinpoint delivery on his left foot, he can do whatever he wants. You know, if he does come in on his right side, he creates so much trouble because our fullback just flies right past him. And then you're realizing, oh, snap, Xhaka's playing on the left side. Chad, if the ball gets recycled back to Xhaka, he just plays a pass into there. It creates so many more options, bro. And then it makes Pepe look so much more effective, right? <laughs> so I like to see that, especially when you know that as a club, I think we'd like to give Young as much time as he needs away, you know, to deal with what he needs to deal with in the family, that you feel, let Pepe get that run of game times and bring up his confidence, bring up his value as well, and whatever role he can grow in within the squad, he can see himself and appreciate himself saying, well, they wanted to do so much to make sure they get the best out of me, even if it means they see more in me than I see in myself. We value those things as human beings, right? So we, you start to see that in Pepe, where the goal, the, the energy, the work rate, bro, I love to see that bro so shout out to nicola pepe bro that was a solid eight from us bro solid performance across the board man emil smith rowe started in the 10 thank god <laughs> continuing to start in the 10 and you can feel his 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 worth to the team his impact on the team without him having a great performance like we spoke earlier about hector saying you're not having your best game yet you're not bringing the team down emil smith rowe is a bit different in that regard where he didn't have his best game in an arsenal jersey yet 
he wasn't the worst player on the field because of all the other things he can do without getting an assist or a goal. His work rate, his positioning, the passing, you know what I'm saying? You can't shine with like the passing, he, he makes the right pass at the right time. He's in the right position, tracks man down, you know? So I feel he's still growing in that position to to even understand himself and say, okay, some games I'm not going to get the goal or the assist. What else can I do to impact the game? I think he can take one of those games and put on his chalkboard and say, you know what, this is my level for my worst performing games. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I may miss chances and not get some assists, yet I will I will, I will, will impact the game positively in so many other regards, right? You know, I, I like to see that across the board. So shout out to him as well. Um, Laka was up front. <laughs> And it was one of those things where when you miss that chance early, you think, like I said, no, bro, no, bro. Because right now we don't have too much. Like, you know, you know these games where you're thinking we have Pepe on the bench and Uber starting, you know, Pepe and the suckers out there, Nelly's out maybe on the bench. We'll get another chance later and we'll, we'll get back into it. Now you're thinking, damn, bro, we needed you to bury those, coach. Like, you're the leading player out here right now in the front line. And heads didn't drop. Kept working, kept working, kept working. And when he scored that dagger third goal, I was like, yeah. Because, I mean, the assist for the second showed that the work rate is there, that, that work rate and the endeavor to keep fighting when the team is 2-1 up, you having to run basically into the far post to score this tap-in. And you do that to get the team the result and ensure that it's secured, bro. That's, that's all we wanted out of Laka. And that's what we know we have in Laka, where even if it's not going for him that night, he's not scoring his chances, the easy ones, he will fight so hard that the hardest chance in one of those batches he could possibly put away, right? Because he works hard and keeps working to the final whistle. And that's what we need from our leading man, bro. So I like that performance across the board. The subs that did come in, William came in for Emil smith Rowe, who had taken a knock. Looked like William was supposed to come in for Pepe. That's when Pepe picked up his yellow. Um, you can see it's literally Mikael's first change. You'd have thought, okay, Gabby could use 15 minutes. Let's go with Gabs. Nah. <laughs> but hey, man, Mikael knows what he's doing. <laughs> and Mikael, we trust. Uh, and our takers, we trust, bro. And then he came on around 68th minute, 78th minute, rather, for party, who had also taken a slight knock. Uh, just did what he had to do, you know, Standerton, you know, <laughs> don't play around, you know. So for me, those are solid sixes, you know. Um, Willer came in for Pepe late. I felt it was one of those things where if you had fans in there, Pepe would have gotten himself his young standing over. But for us watching, we knew how to get off our seats and and salute a man who has actually put in the type of shift that we have actually been calling for all along, right? So, solid performance across the board, man. I like that. I like that. Mikel, for me, gets a... I was leaning towards a nine, but I felt it's an eight because of the Louise-Gabby situation. I'd love to see the manager put more faith in Gabby. Then just go with the tried and trust to do the Luis thing. He had playing Cedric ahead of Ainsley, Ainsley made and Niles in that position or not favoring bringing Saka. Because you could have easily just said Saka left back, Pepe on the on the right side and then William on the left. And it would have almost appeased everybody, including whoever else he's trying to appease in the William situation. Nah, he kept it true. He kept it real like a G should. And then selecting Pepe for me was one of the things that ticked it over the board as well. Like, yeah, you're doing very well. So the selection, the tactics were on board for me. And the fact that he wasn't in a rush to make the changes, like anytime he was trying to make a change, like he was trying to bring Pepe off for William earlier instead of taking a Mills throw Why? Because Pepe had actually played more games than he's used to playing right now. You know, he's used to being a regular in the past and he didn't play too many games. Now he's back to playing a couple games in a row. Of course, rest him. In a sense, probably even take out Emil Smith-Rowe going further. He was probably looking to do that with Willock down the line and then 
party gets an arc, you bring on El Nini, good change, you know, and then that whole get an ovation, Yana, for Pepe, get Willis little form back up when he thinks, okay, I came in as a last, you know, last minute substitute, let me get buzzing for this Man United game and I may be able to get a look in off the bench for that game, you know, so across the board, man, I love it, I love it, <laughs> would love to see the team continue to grow in that regard, you know, uh, that leads us nicely into the build-up for Man, you not this is Arsenal, bro. <laughs> like this game has been, yeah, my goodness, like the cause of how many conflicts and friendships, bro. <laughs> like dating back to grade school, bro. Like we fight, fight over this game, bro. Like it's not healthy. <laughs> it's not healthy. So it's like, yeah, man. Same old foes, just a different day. <laughs> we actually trying to get it. Each and everywhere, bro. So, we're still going to get them back for that A2. Like, I got that on my chalkboard. Don't worry, shawty. Like, we got you for that. Today's a great opportunity to go head-to-head -head against them with them being in the ascendancy. You know, they're second. We're ninth. You know, 10-point gap between us. So, yeah, we'll mind the gap. But y'all got to mind us. It's coming, right, it's coming right back. Don't worry about that. So, um, EPL form last five games for us is four wins and a draw, you know, 12 points out of 15. For United, they lost to Sheffield 2-1 in their last game, which made it three wins, a draw, and a loss, you know, so 10 points out of 15 in their last five. Yet, they're still second, you know, so they'll probably be a bit, a bit butthurt. If, you know, they lose to us because they're literally blowing that lead at the summit, yet we got to do what we got to do, man. We got to get these, coach. So it's the 234th game between Arsenal and Man United. You know, we've won 84 of those games, praying to make it 85. They've won 97. It's been 52 draws. So you can see it's a long-held history of going back and forth, yet their dominance was a little bit longer than ours, you know, so they can continue to pack those stats up yeah we're not too far off so all it takes is just another run of, of good dominant form and we can get back into them you know like you know just get into the 90s and make it a fair game between us right it's one of the one of the biggest rivalries in world football without it being a, an inner city rivalry or none of that which is one of the things i really like about this game you know so our uh, last time out against them we were away at manchester you know we beat them in the battle of old trafford you know one no it was a solid hard fought win we enjoyed that, you know, to the team. So it's like, oh man, we I I I take one of those again, you know. <laughs> but we at home, so it's like we're gonna have to put on, you know, especially if they if they disrespect us and come at us, you know. If they if they play the type of game we played against Southampton and respect us because we're at home, I'll respect them for that and take the one nil, knowing sometimes it's hard for us to break down opposition teams. Yet if they if they tell you, if they take us for a pop, bro, like, yes, yeah, bro, give them four, my jeez. Like, <laughs> cheer them, boys, cheer them. Yeah, real talk. So, we've won our last two games versus Man United. Just a little food for thought before the game, you know. And it's like, the last time we went three in a row against Man United in the league was September 98, you know. You're thinking, all right, 98 is as far back as it's gone when we've gone three in a row against United can go three and no right now and this is one of those where we can we can we can take these because it's not like we beat them and they're just trash right now now nah, we beat them when they're actually trying coach <laughs> that counts for a lot bro <laughs> real talk you know so they haven't beaten us you know under Ole in the EPL 
which is an interesting stat for me thinking for Man United, bro, they, they kind of hang their hat on that, you know? And for us to have, you know, for all, like, this is going to be his fifth game against us and the last four encounters, he's drawn one and lost three. You know, he's the only manager in United history who has played more than one game to not beat Arsenal. <laughs> like, that tripped me out, bro. So I'm like, damn, these homies just, like, they make a living off. Like, listen, I can stay in my job if I beat these lots. So, Mikel got to stay in his job early on when he beat them. Now he can establish himself all the way right through and through, you know. So, let's get these, coach. You know, looking for only our fourth double against Man United. League double, that is, you know, so to beat them twice in a, in a season. The, there's literally the three times we beat Man United, look at where we feel. The three times we got the double against Man United, look at where we finished in the league, right? In 97, 98, 01, and 02, we won the league, and we beat them twice. In 06, 07, we finished fourth, and we beat them twice. So it's indicative of the fact that when we do well against Man United, more often than not, we have a pretty good season, or thereabouts. So... Let's beat them today, and you know, you know what comes with that, right? <laughs> they haven't lost three away, Man United, in the tough flight since May of '91. Which, again, like a lot of these stats will be tripping me out when I be researching them before the game, thinking thirty years, bro, that they haven't lost three away tough flight games against a team in the league, right? Against us, rather, because they did it against Brighton, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. But that gap was big, because between Brighton, it was between 82 and 2020 that they lost three games between them in a row. So, like, you know, they've been really good and been out the league, so it could make sense that we in the league against them every single season, they have not lost three away against us since May 91. So just to showcase that, like, that run of dominance, you know, even when we were super dominant, invisible leaders, like, this literally dating back before Venga, 30 years, bro that we haven't beaten them three tough flight games away, and we can do that today, and that's major to me, bro. So, like, Mikel Arteta is looking to become the first Arsenal manager to win his first three games against Man United as a result of having beaten, you know, Man United in these first two games. That's major yet again, because that could really establish him all the way. That could be one of those things that catapults this, this reign of his, you know, like, okay, dominance against Man United can allow you to have dominance against a Chelsea or, uh, or Tottenham, and then it can lead you to have dominance against a Liverpool over, over time, right, and a Man City, because they're not as big as Man United are. It's the only team that can compare to that is Man City. It's not Man City, it's Liverpool, right? So you're realizing the level of of victory that he's getting sometimes when it comes to beating some of these big teams and just all it takes for us to consistently beat these big teams and then learn how to consistently beat the smaller teams and find a balance between that, right, and get the result when we need to get the result, the positive result all the time, right? So, yeah, man, all those all those little tidbits were interesting because it led me to thinking, okay, we're going to need to have a confident lineup going into this game. So my predicted lineup for this game, um, with the team news just knowing Oba's out, We'll continue to keep playing for the praying for the Abuma Young family. Prayers up to y'all, man. Love always, bro. Stay strong. Love to y'all. Um, we predicting a win for Arsenal, but before we get into the the score that we're predicting, we'll have to give you the lineup and justify why we think we can smack these lot, right? <laughs> so Brent Lendo is the number one, is gonna start and go. Um, four two three one formation. I feel for me it could be a toss up between Hector Bellerin and Cedric Suarez. I would love to reward Cedric for the performance that he put in against Southampton, especially with Kieran Tierney coming back into the squad. So if Kieran Tierney is fully fit, then I will start Cedric Suarez on the right side. If Tierney is not fully fit, then I'll start Cedric Suarez on the left side, and then Hector Bellerin will start on the right side. Um, Rob Holdinho right center back because that's the Holdinho dog, the place holding center back, bro. Like let's get these. <laughs> 
Gabriel Magalhas for me should come back into the squad because we saw what happened when Luis came in. You thought he was supposed to place hold for Marie and Magalhas and he didn't do that and was a bit shaky in that back line against a better team who could have been punished with those two loose passes that he did make, you know, so... That's 3-3 instead of 3-1, right? So, nah, nah, nah. We don't need those against Man United. I feel if Gabriel Magalhães is going to make mistakes, let him make those mistakes at 22 years old in the biggest of games, and he can learn from them. It makes no sense keeping him out and allowing somebody else to make those mistakes while Magalhães sits on the bench and watches that. He doesn't learn as much from that, bro. That's just facts. You learn more from being in the game, coach. That's just real talk. So, put Magalhães in the game. Carantini at left back. That's the that's the left back. You know, only got one left back anyway. So if he's fit, he starts, bro. Thomas Partey for me with Xhaka have to continue in midfield. I wouldn't make too many changes to that front line, if anything, bro. Like it's gonna be Partey in midfield with Granit Xhaka because that continues to work right now. And as long as it's working, I also feel the physicality gives us against Man United where whatever Ole may try, if he tries to play bully ball like he did in the first game, he's not going to have too much fun in that midfield, bro, because it's physical, it's hardworking, and it's also extremely technical where I think it beats his midfield on all three fronts. Although he's got good individual players, collectively, I don't feel they can do what our team can do today, right? Emil Smith throw at the fulcrum of the 10, bro. I love that, bro, because it gives us that balance where when we do get the ball, we can turn it around instantly. Although all our midfielders can now play forward passes, Emil Smith throw can play that decisive pass out of nothing, right? And the technical quality as well. You can't even start to speak on that. Bukwaya Sako on the right side, bro. The talisman, we pray to continue the form. Nicola Pepe on the left side, bro. Let's continue the run of form, bro. Andre Lacazette down the middle. You know that, dog. Like, let's get to 10 goals in this game. You know, just two Nyano in 10 already. And that's a great season so far, you know. So let's keep pushing. Let's keep pushing. I'd have Matt Ryan on the bench with Hector Suarez or... Uh, well, I said Hector, so with Hector or Cedric Suarez, um, David Luiz on the bench with Ainley Mendes and Niles, let's cover um, Moel Nene, Danny Ceballos, Martin Odegaard, we'd love to see him get a low 15-20 minutes towards the end of the game, um, other than that, you know, Gabby Martinelli and Eddie Nketiah to round off the bench, bro, predicting a 3-0 win for Arsenal because I feel we've got the quality, we've got the form in our favour, they just came back from losing 2-1 against Sheffield, I don't think they'll be as open to going all out guns blazing against us. And I don't think the players will be as receptive to sitting on the break against us knowing that they're second. I don't think he's got his locker room like that intact. So I feel we can actually get at these lots and surprise them with two early Nyana goals and then make, make them have to open up. And then we just pick them apart towards the end and let's get the results, you know. Aside from that, man, we pretty enjoy the game. We'll highlight ad shots during the game, after the game as we can. You know how that goes. Blessings, love and light. Continue praying for the G's. I pray you continue to be safe. This has been When Highbury Was Home, a loud boot podcast presentation. I am your host, True Story. Please like and subscribe, rate and review us on all DSPs where you consume your digital media content. Let us know what the vibes is, man. I pray you enjoy these. Let's go get the win. And as always, come on, you Kunas. <laughs>